Hey church, it's great to have you here with us again today. I hope you're enjoying our series, The Kingdom. How great was Joe last week? So good to hear and important to hear about seeking first the kingdom of God. We've been saying, haven't we, for the past few weeks that Jesus spoke more about the kingdom of God than anything else during his time here on earth. God came from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus. He came to show people what the kingdom of heaven looked like. Through his words and through his actions, he he demonstrated what life looks like when God reigns. As he unlocked heaven, as he allowed heaven to invade earth, miracles happened. People were healed and lives were transformed. We've talked over these past few weeks about the potential that there is in small beginnings. We've talked about the upside down kingdom that we live in, but Jesus has come to turn things on its head. And we've looked at seeking first the kingdom. And so today, I just want to spend some time looking at the keys to the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom. When Jesus came to earth, he unlocked heaven and allowed all the blessings to flow through him. If we want to see his kingdom come in our world, then we need to partner with God. If we want to unlock heaven and see those blessings flow, see his kingdom come here on earth, we need to partner with God. Jesus' ministry on earth, it wasn't simply him uh, doing what he does. It was God the Father at work and Jesus partnering with him by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in his life. And through that, Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth through that partnership with his father. So how do we know it wasn't just Jesus doing his thing? Because he said, didn't he? The son of man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. That was Jesus's words, his acknowledgement that he needed, even as God in human form, to partner with his Father, God in heaven. Jesus was at work, but he was in partnership with God, the Father. And so that's how we need to work. If we're going to mimic Jesus's ministry through the way that we live and we love, if we want to see God's kingdom come here on earth, here to Lytham St. Anne's, in our world, in our context, then we need to partner with God. We need to seek first the kingdom, as Joe said last week. We need to put God first in our lives. And as we draw close to him and spend time in his presence, not only will we be able to more clearly recognise where it is that he's at work, uh, where it is that he's moving, we'll also recognise his voice when he's speaking to us. But also as we draw close to God, we become 
more like him. We take on more of his personality and his attributes. You see, the story of creation tells us that we were created in God's image. Man and woman created in the image of the Father. Not our physical forms. I'm not suggesting that God literally looks like me, which is probably for the best. I'm sure we'll all agree. Not our bodies, but our souls, our spirits. We were created in the very image of God, right at the core of our being. And so the things that make God, God, his goodness, his desire for relationship, his, his kind and gentle nature, he made us in his image, in the image of these things. And do you think as he created man and woman that he messed up, that he made a mistake, that somewhere in creating humankind he missed that part of our DNA? I don't think so because when he was done creating man, he looked at his work and he smiled and said, it is good. So don't hear what I am not saying today. We are not God. You are not God. I am not God. But we were created in his image. And then, of course, we need to take into account the fall and understand that sin came into the world. And actually, that messed up this beautiful and perfect picture of God's creation. But thankfully, through the redemptive work of Jesus, that damage that Adam and Eve uh, did was restored. Jesus came and did that restorative work through his death on the cross and his resurrection. The reality is that being made in God's image means that we were created with unimaginable potential and unquestionable worth. We've been created, hear this, you were created with unimaginable potential and unquestionable worth. That is you. That is what God created you as, like, with. And so if we just relate this back to Jesus, to Jesus, God in, in human form, we were created in God's image. And so to try and grasp hold of this picture of what we should look like as beings created in his image, we need only look to Jesus. We look to the way that he lived his life during his, uh, his time here on earth. Did Jesus live an ordinary, boring life? Heck no. He lived this life of abundance that we are called to when we partner with God. And remember, Jesus partnered with his father throughout his ministry. We see throughout the whole of the Jesus story, you know, him healing people, him performing miracles, people being impacted by the kingdom of God. And Jesus lived out his life going where he saw the father going, doing what he saw his father doing. It was this beautiful partnership of father and son. There's this almost throwaway comment that I love in, in Mark chapter 6, this 
This passage is talking about how Jesus was was struggling to minister in his hometown because people only saw him as the son of a carpenter. They'd seen this this baby grow up into a toddler, into a stroppy, a teenager, and then into a man. And they just didn't see him as anything special because, oh, well, he's just Joe's son, isn't he? And then this verse says that because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on the people and to heal a few people. It says he couldn't do much. He just healed a few people. Just a few healings. Just a few miracles. It blows my mind that this is Jesus working at sub-par level, healing a handful of people. I don't know about you, but I would be overjoyed if healing a few people was part of my ordinary boring days. But we're talking about Jesus, the guy who can turn water into wine. Can I get an amen? Who can uh, make the blind see and the deaf hear and raise the dead to life. The way that Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven here to earth was in partnership with his father. And it's amazing and incredible. It's, it's almost overwhelming when we look at the life that Jesus lived. And yet, with Jesus, he said, he said to us that we would be able to do even greater than these things. And anything that we ask in his name, he will do. Why? To bring glory to the Father. To bring glory to the Father. When we walk in partnership with God, when we draw close to him and we put him first above everything else in our lives, we will do even greater things than Jesus because we were created in his image. We were created with unimaginable potential and unquestionable worth. So in order to bring the kingdom of heaven into our world, we need to partner with God. Not to pursue our own agenda, but to look and to see where God is working, where he is moving, and get involved, partnering with him. I think there's, there's something else that helps to give us this confidence to move in this way, to have the faith to believe that we can do even greater things than Jesus. And that's to recognise that we have been sent with authority. We've been sent with authority. We see this modelled through Jesus and his disciples. If you look at Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, And he called the twelve together, and he gave them power and authority over all the demons, and to cure diseases, and he sent them. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom and to heal. And then jump to verse 6. And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. He sent them. The disciples didn't just go off on their own and begin to do these incredible things. 
in Acts, as you, as, as you read the gospel, sorry, the gospels and Acts, you'll see that, you know, these guys, they weren't the sharpest tool in the box. It took them so long to grasp who Jesus actually was and that with him, impossible situations turned into possible situations when Jesus was around. It took them ages to figure that out. And so this moment that we read is so important because Jesus is equipping his disciples. They've spent time with him. They've watched his behavior. They've they've listened to his teaching. They gleaned as much as they can from him. But now we see him empowering them, sending them out, not alone, but with all the authority of heaven. And then they unleashed heaven Everywhere they went, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out demons in the name of Jesus. It's incredible, isn't it? And this promise, this, uh, this uh, description, this uh, equipping and empowering is not just for them. Jesus modelled it with the disciples, with the twelve. Flick on a few chapters and he sent out the 72 disciples with authority and incredible things begin to happen for them in the name of Jesus. And then we see the Great Commission, a call not just for the disciples, but for all who believe to go, to preach the good news, to to baptise people in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, with confidence in the knowledge that he will be with us even to the end of the age. We are being sent and we are being sent with authority. So we need to partner with God. We need to partner with our Father in heaven to be filled with the confidence and the knowledge that we are being sent with authority of Jesus, which will then allow us to see heaven's power unlocked. I want to see heaven's power unlocked. I don't know about you. Paul writes in in 1 Corinthians that for the kingdom of God is not just about talk, but it's about God's power. It's not just about talk, but it's about power. Let's have a look at an interaction between Jesus and his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound 
in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. An interesting thing to to note here, if you recall what I shared a couple of weeks ago, is, uh, is that Jesus here, he asks two questions. The first question is, who do people say I am? Who do the general population say that I am? Well, all the disciples needed to do was open a newspaper, turn on the TV, maybe ask Google, and they'd get this, uh, this factual answer. Some say this, some say that, some say the other. It's purely an informational answer. He's asked a question, here is the information of what people are saying about you. But then he presses them a bit further and he asks, okay, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? <clears throat> now, you've spent some time with me. You've spent some time with me. We've got up close and personal. We've spent, you know, days and nights. We've slept, we've eaten, we've hung out for so long. Who do you say I am? And so now we're moving from an informational question to a revelational question. It's no longer about guesswork. Well, could be John the Baptist or Elijah or a good man or a great teacher or an even greater prophet. It's not about guesswork in that sense. He's not looking for an easy answer now. He's looking for the right answer. He's looking for a revelational answer. And it's in this moment that we we get one of the most incredible declarations in the whole of the gospel by Peter when he says, you are the Christ or the Messiah, son of the living God. This is the biggest confession of faith in the whole of the gospels, dare I say it, the New Testament. Peter didn't learn this declaration, it came by revelation from the Father into his spirit. He received it as an impartation from God to him, from the Father, by the Spirit, straight into his soul. And he knew without a doubt that Jesus was the Son of the living God, a true revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. It's not about information, it's about revelation. And it's in this moment that that Jesus, as he so often does, renames Peter. He renames this this inconsistent fisherman, once called Simon, and he says, you are Peter, which means rock. And then he goes on, and on this rock, I will build my church. Now, I don't believe that what he's saying here is that he will build his church on Peter on this fallible person. And that is a theology that is often taught in in the Catholic Church. But rather, I believe that Jesus is saying that he will build his church on this declaration that Peter is making, on this revelatory uh, declaration of who Jesus is, the infallible God. That the church will be built on a declaration of a revelation of Jesus and the gates of hell will not prevail. In order to enter into the kingdom of God, we need a supernatural revelation 
from a supernatural God about a supernatural Christ. And it's through this revelation that God will build his church. It's through individuals like you and like me having this this revelation of the person of Jesus that will allow us to enter into the kingdom and we will see it grow. Now you're asking me, well, this is great, but what's that got to do with unlocking power from heaven? That's what we're supposed to be talking about right now, John. Well, look at this final uh, statement that Jesus makes. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What this is saying in the context of this passage and which is why I just wanted to re-emphasize that importance of the revelation of the person of Jesus What it's saying is that out of this revelation, out of that confession, you now have a spiritual authority in which you can act both in the physical world and in the spiritual world. It's not that suddenly Peter was able to do what he wants, binding and loosing whatever. It's that out of this this declaration... Out of this revelation that anything that he binds and loosed in line with Christ is in line with building the church, the kingdom, because he's partnering with God. He's recognized his authority and so he's been given the keys to unlock the power of heaven. So what we're seeing here is the culmination of all of these points that we've been working through today. And it all builds up to one thing, to get not only to get access to the power that heaven has to offer us for our own sake, but to build the kingdom, to see the kingdom of God come into our world, into our context and grow. There is power in heaven, power that we can't even begin to imagine. But what's being said here and the importance of the context is what's being said is that the authority of heaven has been given for one purpose and one purpose only, to build the kingdom of God. This, as a message for us as believers today, it means that if you have declared with your mouth and if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Messiah, King, Son of the living God, then you have been given the keys to the kingdom. You've been given the keys to heaven. You have, by your revelatory declaration, unlocked the power of heaven. And you have been given the authority to see it. Not for your personal gain, not for my personal gain, not to make me look good or you look good, but to point people to Jesus. It's all about pointing people to Jesus. If we want to seek first the kingdom, if we want to see the kingdom come here in Lytham St. Anne's, then we need to partner with God. We need to recognize that we have been sent with authority. 
and we need to grasp hold of the truth that we have been given the keys to unlock all the power that heaven holds. For what? To demonstrate God's kingdom in our families, in our friendships, in our schools, in our workplaces, whatever it may be, to demonstrate and to bring and to usher in the kingdom of God into our world, into our context, and ultimately to point people to Jesus so that they too can have a personal revelatory understanding of the person of Jesus. Why don't we pray? Father God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence in our lives. And we thank you for the sacrifice that you made that restored that relationship with our Heavenly Father so that we can be at one with you once again. And Father God, I thank you that, uh, that you, have, you have given us this authority from heaven, that as we have relationship with you, as we partner with you, you send us out into the world, into our context, wherever it is that we may go, with the authority of Jesus. And I thank you that out of that revelation of who you are, of the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, you want to see your kingdom built. You want to see your church built and to grow. And so you give us the keys to unlock all power from heaven. Now, thank you that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives within us and that the gates of hell will not prevail against anything that we do in Jesus' name. I thank you that we can stand on the promise that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. We thank you that you have blessed us with power and authority, that we can stand firm in the knowledge that you are with us. Father God, we are just humbled by the truth that you would use even someone like me, someone who messes up, someone who fails daily to live to your standards, that you would choose to use me to grow your kingdom, to demonstrate your kingdom to those around me. I thank you for the privilege that I have in order to, to go out into my world, into the people that I, I meet with, into the people that I have connection with, and the privilege to be able to demonstrate to them through the way that I live and love in my life, that this is the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like to have a relationship with Creator God, with Father God. So we just thank you that you are with us. We thank you that even when we mess up, that you are there to pick us up and put us back on this solid ground and say, I love you, I'm for you, I forgive you, now go. And so we thank you for uh, the boldness and the faith and the courage that know, that, of knowing that you are with us in this walk, on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.